0: For over 25 years, Sports Illustrated Kids has delivered sports the way kids want to read about it. And we've delivered it every month in print. Now, we're happy to be relaunching SIKids.com. The new site was designed to be mobile-first to give our audience the content it craves in an easily digestible way. Kids are some of the most passionate sports fans around. We plan to make this site the experience they deserve. Head to SIKids.com right now to check it out. Again, that's SIKids.com. My take is uh, straight out of the oven.
1: Here's my take. My hot take. My hot take.
2: My hot take is that Olympic golf in Brazil... ...that I believe that Tiger Woods... ...the United States of America is... uh, ...Rory
3: McIlroy will never win... ...because the Bubba Watson is going to end the year world number one.
4: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. This one, I promise you, will be much different. I'm your host, Sean Zock, and I hope you're ready for the hot takes. I'll be hosting five well-known golf personalities. Kyle Porter from CBS Sports, Chris Solomon from No Laying Up, Luke Curtinine from For The Win, golf writer Shane Ryan, and Trent from Barstool Sports. In other words, people well-versed in the hot take world. I have asked for their hottest takes, and they have responded in impressive form. We've got hot takes on Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Bubba Watson, the Ryder Cup, etc. So let the searing begin with Mr. Luke Curtinine, Senior Editor at For The Win. Luke, are you ready?
3: Oh, I'm so ready for this show.
4: Alrighty, I want your hot take. I want it now. Let's hear it.
3: Okay, my hot take is that Bubba Watson is going to end the year world number one. Um, it's actually not. Uh, it's actually not that inconceivable to think this. Um, so let's just say that Jordan Spieth and Jason Day they each uh, they they each drop off like we think they're going to, not because anything bad's going to happen, just because they had amazing years last year, so they're going to regress to the mean a little bit. Totally normal. In that case and scenario. All Bubba Watson needs to do is outperform Rory McIlroy, which I think he's going to do. I think Bob going to win the Masters and maybe another major, and then that would probably be enough to get him to world number one.
4: No, it, it, it makes somewhat reasonable sense, but I know Bob Watson definitely not a, a huge fan favorite in, in some ranks. But you said that you've broken it down to where you only you only think he needs to outperform against Rory, that's, I'm assuming, based on the fact that Jordan Spieth and Jason Day just had incredible 2015s. Is that right?
3: Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's one of these things where um, things need to fall Bubba Watson's way in order for this to happen. But look, like, a lot of people think that Jason Day and Jordan Spieth are going to regress a little bit this year just because they're tired or they've had such an amazing year last year that it's only natural for them to kind of take a breather this year, um, metaphorically speaking. And if that happens, let's say Jason Day and Jordan Spieth don't win a major, then it just comes down to Bubba versus Rory. And Bubba plays more on the PGA Tour than Rory. Uh, Bubba has won the Masters twice and Rory obviously hasn't. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a very conceivable thing that could happen even though a lot of non-Bubba fans out there won't really want it to.
4: Now, I think uh, two people you might be overlooking might be Ricky Fowler and Adam Scott, a couple of guys who have performed incredibly well and shot up. They're in the top 10 as well. What are your thoughts on those guys? Because, or at least compared to Bubba, he's going to have to outdo them too, right?
3: Yeah, it's true. And those it's, you know, especially Adam Scott, who seems to have found his best form right now. Um, the thing I'd say about that is that um, not only is Bubba Watson so tailor-made for one major, I mean he's so he I think he's like a he's like a lock for the Masters this year almost. He's just playing well and he suits that course so well that um, that counts for a lot. Whereas Ricky, he's an amazing player obviously, but you don't quite know which major he would win. He could win all of them or he could be ill-fitted to. Um, to some of them and also um worth noting that bob watson has a head start on these guys right like he's fourth in the world ranking behind the big three right now uh ahead of both ricky and adam scott so um he, he seems to, he seems to have a bit of a bigger upside right now this year i'm talking i'm not talking about long term this year seems to have a bigger upside when it comes to events like the masters and when it comes to playing a lot of the pga tour.
4: okay now I'm going to give you an opportunity to take this hot take and make it incredibly on fire. Tell me what events Bubba wins because he's going to need to to probably win a few.
3: Yeah, he's definitely going to need to win a few. Um, the majors are going to be the the big uh, ones this year. I think he's going to win the Masters. And I think this year is the year that he um, sort of sorts himself out in, the, in one of the three other majors. And, uh, you know, he, his knock on him this year, uh, in, in the past, excuse me, is that he's played well um, and, uh, and the Masters, but not really any other majors. I think he's going to write that this year. I think um, he could walk away this year with two majors, I think. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that second one come at this year's PGA. So he can, we, we kind of get a Bubba uh, first and last maker of the year situation, which I'm sure will make so many golf fans out
4: there so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bubba bookend to a season might not be the favorite. But anyways... One last chance to make this incredibly en fuego. Does Bubba Watson then retire like he, he jokingly promised he would after having 10 wins and ascending to world number one?
3: I mean, if he's a man of his word, if he's a man of honor, he will get to world number one, as I'm saying, and he'll retire, right? I mean, I'm just quoting him back to him. I mean, this is, this is on you, Bubba. You, you've got to hold yourself to your word. I mean, come on.
4: We'll see if he does it. Either way, Luke Kernin, you set the bar very high. On the Hot Take Podcast, Bubba Watson, world number one. That's hot, uh, and and I'm looking forward to whatever uh, w- whether we can grill you in the future or not, based on if this comes true. Anyways, there you have it from Luke Kirtanine, uh at For The Win. Luke's got a, a reasonably searing taste. I know that he set the bar high, but I also know that we can do better. And in order to do so, we're going to go to Chris Solomon from No Laying Up, the popular Twitter account and website uh, for all of golf fans around the world. Chris, I must say, I prepped for, for your hot take by cooking some pasta last night and stirring the boiling noodles with my bare hands. I've heard your take is Ryder Cup related now. Let me hear it.
2: Uh, the United States of America is going to triumphantly beat uh, the European team at Hazeltine in September.
4: Triumphantly. I appreciate uh, you know the adjective there now, or the adverb rather. Tell me your biggest reason for this.
2: Um, it's more of a gut thing. I've been like afraid to say it actually, because I know there's a lot of like pretty smart statistical guys that follow me like Jake Nichols, who I know writes for golf.com. I'm afraid to say it in front of him because I'm sure he's got a statistical reason as to why this is not accurate and why it's going to be a lot closer than I think it is. But I think uh, the European success in the Ryder Cup has actually been a bit overblown. Um, what happened in 2014 was kind of predictable. I mean, they, they actually, they waxed us pretty good, but, um, 20, 2012, 2010 were very close matches in 2012, the U S really dominated them. And then the momentum shifted, uh, on Saturday afternoon. But I went to two of the days of that Ryder cup and saw that a, a dominant team. And I think on home soil, we're going to see more of that dominance. Um, that we saw that we saw in the first couple of days of 2012 and that we saw in tw- 2008 as well and I'm looking at the Europe the, the guys the Europeans have lined up as of now and I know there's some good young players that maybe we don't know that well in the US but some of the names that would be in their top 12 right now just do not have me scared at all and I'm looking at some of the guys we'd have to cut off the US team and I, I'm thinking Europe is a little bit probably a little bit jealous of the current situation we're sitting in with the standings.
4: Yeah definitely that's gonna be the biggest storyline as we move forward even through the Olympics is the Ryder Cup standings, probably even more so than the Olympic golf standings. Can you name names? What, what kind of guys on the the European team, in order to make make this take a little bit more searing, what guys are you not worried about?
2: Uh, I mean, Once you get past the top what, four guys on their side, I'm really, I, I, I'm not worried. I mean, maybe five, I'll, I'll say five. Once you get past Rory, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Sergio... Uh, maybe well, like I said it only is four. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody within that. but um, and there's a long ways to go between from between now and then, but guys like Torbjorn Olsen is is current would currently be on the team if it started today. Um, and then he would be filling the captain's picks with guys from a field of Victor Dubuisson, who's not been very impressive. Um, I believe Chris Wood would be close to be making the team on uh, on points, so he'd be considered for a captain's pick guys like Graham McDowell are not not in the mix yet or not would not make it on points as of now and potentially could be picked more on experience but uh, you you they I think Darren Clark would have to reach for guys that you know have not been in good form for a couple years now or take a risk on somebody that's completely inexperienced with the Ryder Cup from a, a group of guys that hasn't really proved themselves on the big, big stage just yet. I guess I should throw I should throw Danny Willett in that top five guys that I would actually be a little bit of afraid of. But aside from that, they, they can't send those guys out for every single match and expect them to be at full strength every match. So I think the U.S. is a lot deeper, and I think over three days, it's going to be the victorious team.
4: Definitely. Now, you mentioned the Europeans – it's gonna be a lot of fresh blood on this team, so to say. And, and though they've won in the past, there will be a lot of, it's seemingly, rookies involved. It is very early; we're in March. But, but Darren Clark just said uh, this earlier this uh, this past weekend that he's gonna end up maybe maybe uh, ruining some friendships by having to choose guys. So they you know, with that in mind, there will probably be a couple rookies taking uh, taking the tee for Team Europe. Now you said triumphantly, "I want a number." I want a final standings number. Is it, is it 17, 11, is it 18, 10, something like that?
2: Oh, see now you're making me think that I'm not being triumphant enough. I was going to give you 16 and a half, 11 and a half. <laughs> Okay. So but that's, that's what I think the last one was in Europe. I think that's what your, the final score was. So, um, uh, I, yeah, I'm sticking with that 16 and a half, 11 and a half. I don't think it'll be that close come Sunday. I don't think we'll be sweating it out. Um, I'm a little, I'm I, I, I think Matthew Fitzpatrick and guys like Thomas Peters are going to be involved and, Uh, they're the biggest question marks as to what we can expect from them. I think they're they're tremendous young players and probably aren't that well known in the U.S. yet because they just haven't played enough in the U.S. but I don't mean to disrespect guys like that. I just think I'm looking at this twelve verse twelve, and I'm I'm not maybe I'm not being I'm not being objective on it. I'm an American. I'm rooting for America, but um, I was I I was it was pretty easy to predict, but I correctly predicted that Europe would absolutely slash us in, in 2014 at Glen Eagles. And I'm looking at the lineup, and I feel like it's completely flipped, and I think it's going to be like this for the next probably decade to come, where the U.S. is probably going to win four of the next five Ryder
4: Cups. Now that that is adding a little more spice to the hot take. Quick before you go. Tell me who we're going to toast to. Who's going to be the American that leads? Don't say Jordan Spieth. Oh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you can't ask me and then tell me, don't say somebody. Okay. okay, Give me the, give me the one is going to make a huge impact. I really do. Uh, I've been a big fan of him. That's no secret to anyone that follows us on Twitter or reads our website. But um, I think I've been really impressed with how fast he's transitioned to the Nike equipment. And I think it's a complete non-factor for him. And I think we're going to see a win out of him this year, and I think once you get him in match play, it's going to it's going to really turn. He's going to start really start start turning some heads.
4: Yeah, well, we'll see some match play this weekend at uh, at the WGC Match Play. That's for sure. We'll see how he fares. Uh, Long time until the Ryder Cup, so we'll have to check you on this prediction later on in the fall. A triumphant Ryder Cup victory for the Americans. That's the prediction, hot take from Chris Solomon, co-founder of No Laying Up. Not quite as searing, I would say. As the other takes though he did say triumphantly and he did give us a number 16 and a half to 11 and a half that would be a butt whooping uh, when it comes to Ryder Cup standards so we'll have to see uh, late September early October whether or not that is the case from here we're going to go to Shane Ryan a golf writer author of Slaying the Tiger a year on the PGA Tour Uh, Shane is a man of many takes some of them related to college basketball some of them related to Bernie Sanders but most importantly, some of them related to golf. Shane, I want your hot take. Let's hear it.
0: My hot take, Sean, is that Bernie Sanders is going to win the Masters this year. (laughs) I'm combining all my takes. No, my hot take is that Olympic golf in Brazil, uh, it's going to be the biggest disaster in the sport's recent history. Uh, It's going to ruin the legacy of Olympic golf before it even starts. And yeah, it's just going to be terrible.
4: That is very hot. Uh, The fact that you're just calling it terrible and that it will ruin the legacy of, of the recent PGA Tour, Tell me why. I need I need your biggest reason why.
0: All right, so we'll start at the top, which is that, uh, first of all, we've got Brazil. is sort of a mini-disaster right now. They built this golf course out of a nature preserve with over 300 uh, endangered species. On this, there's massive protests going on right now in Brazil. And the fact is they're spending millions of dollars on this course uh, in a country where golf is never going to catch on because there's too much poverty. So what we're having is every stereotype, every negative stereotype you can think of about golf, which essentially all boils down to that it's a sport for elite people, um, that espouses elite values, that don't care about people, that doesn't care about the environment, uses too much water, uh, endangers species, kills the environment, is being embodied in the construction of this course. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's really uh, uh, terrible optics, as they say, for the image of golf uh, and for the image of the PGA Tour and the sport in general.
4: Now, this is definitely a hot searing take because it will definitely upset people because people people are, are excited about the Olympics. They're excited about seeing Jordan Spieth wearing red, white, and blue. Uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, if he's going to be representing America, will be doing so during the week of an event he'd normally play, the John Deere Classic. Timing-wise, isn't that uh, part of the issue here?
0: Yeah, the timing is part of the issue. But, you know, it's also like at, at this point we've got – Polluted water on the course. This is another problem. This just came up late last year. Polluted water, now you have the Zika virus, which I'm sure you've heard about, which is a very dangerous thing that's spreading rapidly. Can be spread through mosquitoes, of which there are many in Brazil. It's a big problem. And once that happens, it can lead to birth defects in people's children. It's a dangerous uh, virus all on its own. It can lead to neurological impairments. So the legacy of we call it of Olympic golf might be seen in, in illness of all things. Um, like I said, the environment is a problem. But then, if we get to the format, the format is a problem. The format is boring. It's a, it's a, basically just like a normal tournament. There's nothing to distinguish it. Really, the only thing that distinguishes Olympic golf is that the quality of the field is tremendously poor compared to any major event, compared and even compared to most PGA Tour events.
4: Yeah, I think that uh, part of part of what goes into seating the top or the 60 players that will take part in in the Olympics is that. You're going to have only a handful of Americans, only, uh, only two, it seems like, Australians, and a, a couple people from, uh, from Western Europe. But know, like it, it, it really boils down to some unknown names that are going to be competing in this event. Like you said, it's going to be one of the lower events in terms of just the, the overall top-ranked players taking part. I guess, Shane, in order to take, to take this hot take to another level, I guess I got to ask if if what will happen during the event in, in your eyes that would that would cause it to really just be a, a black eye on the
0: Olympics? Well, I mean, I, th- I think yeah, everything leading up to it is going to be its own special black eye. I think it's already a black eye. Um, we talked about the field, you know, speed giving up the John Deere. The irony is that there are players in this Olympic golf uh, event, which is only 60 players, who could not get into the John Deere. Um, now, I understand the need for diversity in terms of national diversity because it is the Olympics, but why not do something like have it be a match play event, a team match play event, something to distinguish it, to make people want to watch it. You know, you're asking for me to say like, what, what dramatic, disastrous thing is going to happen in the course of the event. Well, I think the point is that nothing dramatic or disastrous is going to happen. You're going to have a boring event. One of the top players will win because they're simply better. Um, it's not going to help golf catch on in Brazil or any other country. Uh, and the fact is, the legacy of it, again, is going to be we don't care about the environment, it's a sport for elites, we're not going to raise the profile of the game, and we're going to reinforce stereotypes in golf. So it's just, uh, there's really, as far as I can see, uh, no positives to it, and uh, and it might make some golfers sick. Honestly, if I was an American golfer, I wouldn't be going down to Brazil right now.
4: You'd be boycotting it. I, I, I like the take. That is, that is very hot, Shane, and I appreciate it. Shane on the Olympics calling it, uh, what what could be uh, one of the biggest flops, I guess, in recent golf history? Shane Ryan, golf writer and author. Thank you, Shane, for your hot take. I appreciate it.
0: You got it, Sean. I hope the other takes are searing hot too.
4: Well, there you have it, Shane Ryan, with the hottest take I've heard about Olympic golf thus far, and uh, you know, laying it out there with a little bit of context. You know, people have been up and down on the Olympics for golf so far, but not everyone has has broken it down into you know, the location uh, when everything is going to be going around the Olympics in Brazil. And, you know, there's some really good context there from Shane and, and reasons why it's just not going to work. And, you know, it is it is one of those things that has to work because you're, you're going to see it again in the Olympics in 2020, and then albeit a different location. But in order for golf to retain a, a spot in the Olympics in 2024 and beyond, this first event uh, in 2016 has to be a success. And it has been. Up and down thus far. Before we continue, I have to interject with a hot take that hit close to home for me this week. As some of you may know, Zach Johnson is on the cover of the April issue of Golf Magazine. That's the Masters issue. Zach has his arms folded across his body, looking quite confident, but his hat is turned backwards. Recently, a Golf Magazine subscriber wrote in complaining about Zach having his hat turned backwards. The note begins with, quote, I am very disappointed you have a professional golfer on the cover with his cap turned backwards, end quote. The heat would continue. Later on, the note says, quote, This is an insult to the dress code, game, and your magazine. Now that is a searing take, but it gets hotter. Quote, I probably will not renew my subscription, and I will encourage my friends who subscribe not to renew theirs. Now that is something like Depths of the Volcano, Core of the Earth, Beyond 373 Kelvin, type of temperature take. I, uh, I don't really know what to do with that one. It's, it's really only a backwards hat on the cover of a magazine. This is one of the hotter takes I've heard in a long time. Quite possibly the hottest take of this episode. But we'll see if Trent Ryan from Barstool Sports can outdo it. Trent is probably the biggest golf aficionado at Barstool Sports. Barstool, a brand that definitely loves its hot takes. Trent, I want your take right now. Let's hear it.
1: My hot take. Is that I believe that Tiger Woods is going to play in the 2016 Masters. I think this is going to be his big return. He hasn't said anything about it, but I think I'm getting the vibe that Tiger Woods is going to play in the 2016 Masters.
4: I like it. I like it. I want some more. Why? What? 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 Have, what have you obtained this vibe from?
1: Let me. Let me start off by saying that I'm a huge Tiger fanboy, self-admitted. So deep down, I really want this to happen. Um, I like all the young guys, obviously, Rory, Spieth, Jason, ricky they're, they're great, but nothing really brings the energy to Augusta um, like Tiger. But my fanhood aside, I think about a month ago a report came out talking about um, basically saying Tiger's on his deathbed. Tiger can't even walk. Tiger can't sit in a car without it reclined all the way back. I just think that that kind of stuff angers him to the point where he might not have been thinking about a return this early, But now that people are saying that are are doubting his ability and his healthiness, that I think he's going to push up his return sooner. And I also think that he's healthier than he's letting on. Like when that uh, report came out about he can't walk, whatever, immediately the next day, and even a couple minutes after, like 45 minutes later, his agent said it wasn't true. And then the very next day he came out with the video of him hitting a nine iron against the screen. So I think that stuff kind of gets to him now that, I don't think he likes when people doubt his recovery time.
4: Okay, I like it. Now he came back with a what people might describe as a soft nine iron. Tell me why that nine iron is a is a great nine iron. Did you did you enjoy seeing that? He kind of stuck it a little bit, probably fifteen feet.
1: It was beautiful, but it, and it's also one of those things as a Tiger guy because we hadn't seen him since what the Wyndham Championship last August. We hadn't seen him swing a club. We hadn't seen him do anything. So just to see him. No, just that we know that he can still swing a club was a thing of beauty to, to a guy like me.
4: Okay, now now I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to take your take from hot to habanero. Give me a, give me a finish prediction. Does Tiger make <laughs> the cut? I, w- I, want, I, want, I want people to look back and say, Trent from Barstool, he knew what he was talking about.
1: I knew this was coming. I knew I was going to, because I knew saying that he was going to play wasn't going to be enough, and I agree. Nowadays, we're at a point in Tiger's career, because he's not the guy he was in the early 2000s through the 2000s. That's obvious. Everybody knows that. Anybody who's expecting that type of return, especially coming off three back surgeries in his first start, which I'm hoping is the Masters, we're at a point now where um, making the cut is a victory for all of us. With that said, it was only, what, two years ago, 2013, that he tied, tied for fourth, I think, even though, I mean, so we're not that far away from Tiger being good at Augusta. So I'm thinking he could finish pretty well. Especially Rory's been a little off. Spieth has been up and down. There's no favorite heading into this match. So I would say I'll say a top ten if he if he commits to the Masters.
4: I like it. I, I like it a lot. That is uh, that has added quite uh, quite a few spices to this hot take. So to say, a top ten finish if he if he does show up. Trent could very well be uh, sitting behind a crystal ball in, in a couple weeks when we actually get down to Augusta ourselves. Trent Ryan from <laughs> Barstool Sports, that is great. That is, uh, that is quite hot, and I think, I think you're going to stem up quite a bit of Tiger optimism in uh, optimists like yourself out there.
1: The biggest thing in my favor is that he hasn't said that he's not playing in the Masters. That's really all I'm going off of. Until he says, I am playing or I'm not playing, I'm pretty much golden with this take other than the top 10 part, which I do truly believe
4: in. I love it. We'll see if it happens. Either way, Trent from Barstool. Trent Ryan, thanks a lot uh, for your time and your take.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me on.
4: Tiger, Tiger Woods. That was Trent Ryan from Barstool Sports, uh, a blogger, golf blogger, uh, among other things at Barstool Sports. Quite the take there uh, regarding Tiger Woods. We'll have to see uh, whether TW comes back uh, in top 10 form like Trent predicted. From Trent, we're going to go to Kyle Porter from CBS Sports, golf writer, with our, our last and final and hopefully hopefully hottest take. I just know you have a sizzling take ready to roll. I'm excited for it. Kyle, what you got?
5: My take is uh, straight out of the oven. It's it's still smoking as we speak. Uh, my Here's my take, John. Uh, Rory McIlroy will never win uh, the match. He'll never complete the green plan. He'll never get... Uh, that green jacket at Augusta
4: National. That, my friends, is a hot take. Young, 26-year-old 20, Roy McIlroy, career in front of him, will never win at Augusta National. I really want to know why. What, what's your biggest reason?
5: Well, my biggest reason is something that plagued him recently at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's, he's in his head, and he, he admitted that. He's in his own head. His last five trips to the Masters, he's had at least one nine hole score of 40 or worse. You can't, you can't win at Augusto like that. And that's been something that's plagued him throughout his career. I, I just think as he gets older and, and as the pressure of winning uh, that career grand slam kind of ramps up. It's just going to become more and more difficult every year. We, we think of his career as, oh, he's going to have 13 or 14 or 15 more chances. But the last, eight of those, if he hasn't done it yet, there's going to be so much pressure to do it. I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get it done.
4: And not only is the competition arguably better than it ever has been, it, it continues to to get younger and it continues to get longer. And, uh, you know, there's always there's always going to be someone like, say, Bryson DeChambeau this year, who's, who's the next guy coming up. That kind of stuff, it, it's never-ending. So that, that is quite the hot take. But, hey, it's reasonable, I guess, that would that would put Rory in a spot similar to what Phil Mickelson has been for the past some umpteen years, or the past three years, I guess, where he's he's one major, a specific major, shy. I I think I it's tough. It's tough to imagine, but wh- I mean, you you saying the pressure would be the biggest thing. Is there anything else that you that you when you see Rory that you think, hey, maybe maybe it just doesn't add up?
5: Well, I, I don't know. I I think the fact that they- uh, it's the first major of the year. Doesn't necessarily work in his favor. He he feels like somebody who like once he gets on a roll in these big tournaments. Like, I mean, like he did in two thousand fourteen. He won he won the British Open. He won uh, British Open and then the PGA Championship consecutively. Um, and and so he just he just seems like somebody who, who kind of gets gets rolling later on in the year. And, and, and the, just that eight eight month buildup. Um, I, I feel like it works for somebody like a Bubba Watson who just kind of picks out these courses and picks them off and, and only plays well at certain courses. But, but, but Rory feels like somebody who, who really needs to um, have, this, have this extended uh, stretch of success at, at big-time tournaments. And I, I just don't know. if he, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like he is able to get going uh, early on in the year as, as much as some other guys.
4: Now, you're, you're a golf writer, and you've been around tour. I can't imagine something that this would be, this would be absolutely maddening, I know, for golf fans and golf writers alike to have the, the coming-of-age star that Rory McIlroy was in the wake of Tiger Woods' exit, not win a green jacket and never experience a Masters Champions Dinner and, and all of the things that go along with winning the Masters. It's quite the hot take, Kyle. I, uh, I guess... In order to to make it slightly more searing, how many times around does he win the other three majors and, and not finish Augusta?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. I think he's going to win a, some more PGA championships. Um, he'll never win another U.S. Open. He basically said that the other day. He, he was asked if uh, he was glad that the Masters was the last one of the career slam, and and he basically said, I'm glad I already have a U.S. Open out of the way because – that's not really that's not his thing. I don't think he's ever going to win another U.S. Open. I, I think I th- I'll say he'll get uh, two more PGA's and another British Open. So I'll say he ends his career with seven majors.
4: Seven would be a, a quite a dominant golf career. Now I'm curious. One last thing before you go in regards to Augusta National, because that is what your hot take surrounds. Rory <laughs> Rory recently has made ten double bogeys in his last ten stroke play rounds. Is that is that the thing? One of the things that makes you believe that he couldn't do it at Augusta National because you make double bogeys uh, at Bay Hill; those those would probably end up maybe being triple bogeys at Augusta National. It's the kind of course that absolutely punishes, you know, less than less than stellar play. Is is Rory's recent form the kind of thing? Like maybe his game just isn't clicking and it doesn't quite click all the time. Well,
5: that's that's the thing that. Uh, that and and he's he's actually talked about this about how you have to be so patient in Augusta and he has such a difficult time doing that if he if he would have just if and this is easy to say but he had six double bogeys at, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational if those are pars he wins the tournament by one I mean he made uh, i think two eagles and 16 birdies or something he was he scored really well and i feel like that's going to translate well to something like you know, the match play championship, but you're right, guess so. like, and this is what happened last year, 2015. I think he went out, uh, I think it was on Friday, he went out in, like, 41 or something, and it was like, what are you doing? Like, you're you're better than this, but he just, I don't know, he just loses focus every once in a while, and uh, it's it's not good, not good for for Rory's hopes of winning a green jacket.
4: Rory has been, uh, as of late, kind of king of the backdoor top 20 finish. He's done it multiple times at Augusta National. I think, Kyle Porter, you might be a backdoor top one or top two finish here on the Hot Take Podcast. (laughs) As the anchor, I really enjoyed that take. And, uh, you know, we might have to come back to you for further takes, and we might have to come back to you if Rory wins the 2016 Masters. But for now, Kyle Porter, I appreciate the hotness.
5: Thanks, thanks, Sean. I appreciate it, man.
4: A hot take, uh, one of the hottest by Kyle Porter there. I really enjoyed that. Rory McIlroy, never – to win the green jacket at Augusta National. We'll see. Uh, We probably won't find out for a few years. uh, We might find out in a couple weeks. Either way, that's the hottest take podcast I think that you're gonna find, especially in the golf world. Hot takes galore. Thanks for listening. Hopefully a few of those takes come true, giving us reason to do this again, maybe in a couple months. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the golf.com podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Next week, we'll be talking all about the Masters and Augusta National. I know you're going to want to tune in for that. Until then, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast, especially this Hot Take podcast. Let me know if it was a dud or if you enjoyed it. Till next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. Talk to you next week.